Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome. It is Wednesday, and this is Just Human number 172, I think. 172. And we have a lot of news to get to today. Some of it's breaking right now this morning. There's some news in the uh, Biden documents case that I've, I'm quickly adding to my stack. And Trump is doing a, it's not really a thread. He's been doing these page posts where he does page one, page two, page three. And he's done two pages so far. And I'm I'm hoping he does a, a third one here pretty soon because he has some interesting things to say. We're going to spend the majority of our time today on the Biden docs case. Um, I basically have a stack of stories related to that. Um, each one is, in my view, is kind of like a puzzle piece to it. Um because as you guys can, as you guys know, there's the the media's reporting on this is not telling us the full story. There's definitely some unanswered questions here. There's some there's some questions that are very obvious that are are not being the answers are not being provided to us by the White House or the media. And I've noticed that in, in the varied report I've reporting from everybody from CNN to Epoch Times to New York Times to to Trump, the reporting on it is it all of it leaves something to be lacking. Um, so we're going to spend the majority of time on that subject matter, and I've got a few things I've discovered that I think are really noteworthy, and some other stuff that just it bet it it, it gives more questions than answers. But before we do that, I want to. Quickly hit like a rapid fire kind of thing. I kind of want to rapid fire through some stories to catch us up on some other happenings besides the Biden docs case. Um, so we're going to hit those. And then after we do, we're going to get into the Biden docs case. Um, there are a couple stories that I think are fake news or actually just flat out false news. Um, I don't mean fake news in the sense that Trump would say it. I mean, literally, they're false news stories that are going around. And I do want to tackle those. Um, so welcome. Glad you're here. If you enjoy the show, please hit and, and you're watching on Rumble, please hit the thumbs up button. That helps me out over there. Really appreciate all the support that I get on Rumble. And good morning to everybody in the chat. Um, I appreciate y'all being here early and uh, getting chat going. I was uh, I almost started the show a little bit early and I kind of held off. It's a rare day where I got everything set up early and got my kid to early care instead of like normal school time. And I got here and was like, Oh wow, I'm kind of ready to go right now. <laughs> and, uh, it's not time. It's like, I have like 30 minutes to spare. What do I do? Um, so instead I was, uh, looking at more news stories and reading Trump's post, uh, which are fire, man. I really like what he said today. Okay. Thank you all. Let's, let's get to some news. Let's get to some news. Let me move this over here. Oh, the black screen of awesomeness. One day I'm going to learn how to do this. There we go. There we go. In a moment, I'm going to make this screen a little bit bigger. That's what I should have done since I was early. I should have made sure everything was perfect as if I was pro. Okay. We're going to hit some of these stories right here. Supreme Court still investigating that leak. No real development on it, except in this story, which is from January 13th in the Wall Street Journal, 
we get a little bit of a clue, which is actually kind of a clue that we were on it very early on. Um, a day after the draft opinion was published last year, Chief Justice Roberts assigned Gail Curley to investigate the leak. We remember this. The court has released no information regarding the investigation since then. So there's literally no news whatsoever. Whatsoever. But these lines right here. Little has emerged elsewhere apart from a demand from investigators in June that justices law clerks sit for interviews and surrender their cell phones, prompting several of the three dozen clerks serving in May to seek legal counsel. Aha. Where there's smoke, there's fire. So I think we've got, remember how at the very beginning of the Supreme court leak, lots of theories were going around that it was, a clerk for this person or a clerk for that person. And we had, I think there were really, there were two people that um, were, were dug into that. We were like, yeah, this person's a good fit for someone who would leak very, very leftist connections here and there used to work for like one of them. I remember, I can't remember that person's name. I'd have to go back in the show's bookmarks, but I remember one of them worked previously for the news media outlet that first published um, or worked for it, worked with a journalist who was the first one to publish the leaked transcript, something like that. So I think we're going to, I think it's going to turn out to have been one of the justices, law clerks, one or more who were in on this and several of them retaining legal counsel tells me that it was probably one who did the leak, but more than one of them were aware of it. We'll see. But that is, a development right there. That's that's a that's a a crumb right there that tells you all of us who early on dug into this and and thought of some suspects, we weren't too far off, I don't think. Next story from Epoch Times. This was Epoch. Yeah, Epoch Times. All right, so y'all probably know the Court of Appeals has agreed to to expedite Carrie Lake's 2022 election case. Um, the order was issued on January 9th and made public the next day. The court ordered a reset of the matter for conference on February 1st, 2023. Okay, so conference is not when they're actually going to hear the case. Conference is when they're going to discuss how the case is going to work and how many, how much time they think it's going to take and how many witnesses and all that kind of stuff. They're going to plan the hearing at that. They think or the reporting is that the hearing is going to be in March lawyers for Democrat, Katie Hobbs, blah, blah, blah. Um, let me see the next important date earlier this month, Arizona Supreme court denied Lake's petition to transfer her election lawsuit to that high court and said it will be heard at the appeals court level first. So we'll see what happens with appeals. It could go higher. And I, I expect her to take it farther than that. Um, regardless of what happens, she's going to take it as far as she can. And, uh, Chris Paul, who, um, you should definitely be following on Twitter. I'm your moderator and you should definitely watch his shows on Badlands media. Chris Paul is awesome. Um, he messaged me the other day and was asking me about my templates or he was making a suggestion based off my templates article, um, that's on my Substack 
about the Mar-a-Lago raid. And how, and if you haven't read it, basically my premise is that much of what has quote unquote happened to Trump is by design from his design and from Patriots design. And what they're trying to do is set templates and set precedents for future moves against the deep state, such as against Hillary Clinton and others. And so what's happened with Trump's uh, with the raids on Giuliani raid on project Veritas. And I'm using the term raid loosely. It wasn't really a raid. Um, It's just execution of a search warrant. I think that that's all purposeful. And so is the special master and the filter team and all of those things. They're all, it's all part of a chess game being played out to eliminate moves for the opponent and to set up what I am calling a template that can be used against others. And I think that we're actually seeing a template being applied to Biden and the docs case, which we'll get to later. But Chris Paul messaged me and said, man, do you think that this with Carrie Lake is a template for future election lawsuits? Is she doing something similar where she's pushing this election case, whether it, however far it goes, and she's creating a type of template that others can follow in the future for how to deal with their election cases. Um, And I think that's a pretty interesting concept. I don't know if she is. I do think that her election lawsuit is the best I've read. Um, I think she's, I think she's done it really well. And Kurt Olson is involved, who is part, was part of the Trump administration and is a very capable lawyer and did very well in arguing her case. So I think I think it's an interesting concept. I'm not set on that that's what's going on, but um interesting interesting idea from Chris Paul. Shout out to him for placing it in my head cuz um he messaged me that I think on Monday and I haven't really stopped thinking about it. Next. Jim Jordan is getting active. Select committee. He's he's chair judiciary, and he's added more people to the judiciary. Where him and McCarthy have uh, the select the subcommittee, select subcommittee on weaponization of government is uh, going to get to work, and he wants to, as part of the weaponization of the Department of Justice committee, he wants to zero in on the documents sent by the FBI to Twitter hours before the post published that Hunter Biden story famously in October of 2020. Um, These are the 10 documents that were fired off by special agent Elvis Chan, who we learned a whole bunch about in the Missouri lawsuit uh, from his uh, testimony there. The FBI supposed guidance at the time was used as justification by Twitter officials to ban the post expose of Hunter Biden infamous laptop weeks before the 2020 presidential election. I expect that he will also get into Adam Schiff and Adam Schiff and the, and the, the, uh, what is it? The house permanent select committee on intelligence and how staffers from there were visiting Twitter and giving them guidance on who to ban and who to censor and who to shadow ban and D rank and all of that stuff. So, I'm looking forward to this hearing. I'm not expecting like huge, huge wins out of it beyond just exposure. I just, I really just expect exposure out of these committees. Nothing like 
I know there's some talk about arrest and how Congress is going to go around and um, issue subpoenas to arrest people. I just don't see it happening. I mean, I can see it happening like it did with J6 committee. If they subpoena somebody and the person says no um, and all that, but I don't see them like executing and serving justice on anybody. I think this is far. I think it's more so about exposure and disclosure. Here we have some comments from Jim Jordan on his new committee. Give me just a moment. I want to make sure I don't blow your eardrums out. Let's see how long this is. Okay. I know y'all can't hear it. I know y'all can't hear it. That's on purpose. All right, here we go. And these committees improve things before 2024. You're going to be able to get a handle on this. Step one in stopping this behavior is first exposing it, getting all the truth to the American people. That's why. Oh, that's exactly what I said, huh? It's going to expose it. Speaker McCarthy has established this select committee to look at what what we've termed as the weaponization of government. I mean, you can just go down the list. We, the very first whistleblower who came to us came to us and told us about the, the Justice Department going after moms and dads showing up at school board meetings. And that whistleblower, FBI agent whistleblower, told us, he said he used this line at, about the highest levels of the FBI. He said it's rotted at its core. And then, then we've had uh, the, 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 the different treatment, the, the double standard, where January 6th defendants get treated one way, and then the rioters and looters of the summer in, of 2020 get treated in a different fashion, it looks like. Then you have how pro-life activists are treated versus the pro-abortion activists protesting at Supreme Court justices' home this past spring and summer. Uh, th- th- then, then you look at the FISA abuses, and of course, the one you were just talking about, which is maybe the most alarming, the idea that our government is paying big tech companies to give them information about American citizens and working this this collusion between big tech and big government to keep information from the American people. And as we know, in 2020, important information about the Hunter Biden story just days and weeks before that most important election we have, election for president of the United States. So those are the things we're going to examine um, in, in this uh, select committee and make sure the truth is out there for the American people. All right. So all those stories he mentioned to me are like super overblown narrative stories that are meant to get people to get make an emotional reaction. The one story that he mentioned in that list is that last one that that mean the la- the one that means the most to me. It has the most merit to me is the last one about people from literally because of people from Congress, not just DOJ, the people from Congress influencing Twitter's decisions. Um, I think we're going to find that FBI and DOJ in their communications with Twitter. And from what I've seen so far, they allow Twitter to infer what Twitter wanted to infer. And I, at most from what I've seen at most agent Chan manipulated and massaged things so that they would, it would to help them interpret it in a certain way. Um, and Twitter was very, very willing to interpret it in a certain way, especially with Yoel Roth there and others. They wanted the FBI to tell them to censor MAGA. And so anything they could use that would help, that would do that, they were going to view it through that lens. 
what, what I think that last one has the most merit and has the most, it's the most substantial one out of the list he gave because it literally involves staffers from the house intelligence committee going to Twitter and advising them and pushing them to make certain decisions. And that's, those are, those are criminal violations there or there could be possible criminal violations there. Um, the other stuff he listed, I think a lot of it is very, very, very rage bait um, and doesn't have a whole lot of merit to it. All right, McCarthy. McCarthy today, this is from January 17th, McCarthy today rejected Dems' calls for a clean debt ceiling increase without any conditions attached, something Congress has done time and again under presidents of both parties. He told a group of us the White House should begin to negotiate ahead of this summer when the U.S. debt, uh, the U.S. could default. On a clean debt ceiling increase, McCarthy said, quote, would you just keep doing that or would you change the behavior? We're six months away. Why wouldn't we sit down and change this behavior so that we would put ourselves on a more fiscally strong position? Not going to get my hopes up on Congress dealing appropriately with the debt ceiling. I'm not going to get my hopes up on it. I think that it's basically a certainty that they're going to increase the debt ceiling like they always do. And the best we can hope for, the absolute best we can hope for is that they get ahead of it and have a plan ahead of it to cut some spending somewhere in addition to raising the debt ceiling. They're definitely going to raise it guys. Like I'm not even going to, I, I just, I, I think there's no chance that they don't raise the debt ceiling, but there is maybe a chance that they decide to cut some spending somewhere or do something more fiscally responsible. Maybe there's a chance of that. Um, but I, Yeah. This will be an issue. This will be, a, I think this will be a big issue coming up this, uh, this summer. I don't know, it'll be another, another inflection point or whatever you want to think of it as. I know that there was a story going around about how they're going to vote on, uh, fair tax and stuff like that. I just don't, I just feel like it's token. I feel like there's some things going on with Congress right now, as good as things are and as happy as I am as the GOP is controlling the House. They're also doing some things that are just make for good headlines, you know, Um, and I think this is kind of one of those things. And I think also the fair tax vote is one of those things. So not going to get super excited yet, but I am excited about this great move by McCarthy. You wouldn't have Swalwell on any committee. And you're going to tell me other Democrats couldn't fill that slot? He cannot get a security clearance in the private sector. So would you like to give him a government clearance? You asked me questions about Santos. You asked the questions about Swalwell. Not only was he getting a clearance, he was inside an intel committee. He had more information than the majority of all the members. Did you ever raise that issue? No. Which you should have. 
You're going to tell me there's 200 other Democrats that couldn't fill that slot, but they kept him on it? The only way that they even knew it came forward is when they went to nominate him to the Intel Committee. And then the FBI came and told the leadership then, he's got a problem. And they kept him on. That jeopardized all of us. If you got the briefing, I got. Yeah, this is the, I want to listen to this first line from him again. If you got the briefing I got from the FBI, you wouldn't have Swalwell on any committee. That is that's my favorite thing that McCarthy has ever said. That is awesome. Whatever has gotten into McCarthy recently, and I think we know what it is, it's that Trump has has gotten into McCarthy or McCarthy has been activated by Trump something because this is the McCarthy I want to be speaker. This this is the version of Kevin McCarthy that is going to serve us well. Um, I think indicated in that he's saying the FBI gave him a briefing. Listen again. If you got the briefing I got from the FBI, you wouldn't have Swalwell on any committee. Guys, did the F? I, I have questions. I have questions. Did the FBI go to McCarthy? and brief him about Swalwell ahead of this? Is this a recent briefing? Is it possible that Eric Swalwell is under investigation? And so the FBI felt the need to go to Eric uh, Kevin McCarthy and brief him? I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility. I really don't think that's outside the realm of possibility. I'm not going to get my hopes up too high, but definitely the FBI knows or is aware of problems with Eric Swalwell and felt the need to brief Speaker McCarthy about it. And now that's resulted in him not being on any committees. Hmm. We might, we might learn of an investigation into Eric Swalwell here pretty soon. All right. Speaking of investigations and people learning about them, this thread's going around. And I want to say that I really like FOIA fan or at 15 pounds to go. Um, I like, I like his work and he gets, um, he gets good FOIA documents. I like, um, I like that he does. I mean, that's his thing. FOIA fans thing is to FOIA stuff and get all sorts of documents. But this thread that he wrote about the 2020 elections, I don't. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to present it And Arturell. Yeah. I know that he said that I know that McCarthy said later on in that clip I already closed it. Um, that they had been previously briefed, but the way McCarthy said it there it sounded like he had been newly briefed. It didn't sound like he was referencing the previous briefing. It sounded to me like he was, he, he said the briefing, the FBI gave to me. So that's different. I think it's a different briefing from the one he referenced that happened previously when Democrats controlled Congress. I could be wrong on that, but that's just listening to, that's just how I heard it. Um, And I may have, I may have, 
or that's how I understood it. I may have understood it wrong. Okay, so this thread from FOIA fan. Remember how Barr directed, <laughs> excuse me. Remember how Barr directed U.S. attorneys to investigate election fraud and the dim media called him a scoundrel. But when Barr said DOJ found no widespread fraud, he was most certainly correct. Well, did DOJ really investigate anything? And he provides the document here from November 9th, 2020. It's a memo that Bill Barr issued that authorized U.S. attorneys to investigate any allegations of election fraud. You know, substantial ones, and it you know gives the guidelines that it has to meet these standards and all that kind of stuff. Well, I filed FOIA request to find out, and this is he cites it, and he sent out this FOIA request to various districts asking for any documents. And the way this works is that he's asking for documents that are responsive to the FOIA request. So he's he's going to ask them, okay, did you guys have any investigations that related to or any documents relating to investigations into election fraud in these districts, such as Iowa, Wisconsin, Michigan. The feds responded to um, Linwood lawsuit, Iowa, Wisconsin, Michigan, Nevada, and Western and Central Pennsylvania. No documentation was found for any of those areas. So he sent the FOIA request asking for any documents related to the FBI investigating election fraud for 2020 in those areas, in those districts, and no documentation was found. He's still waiting on Eastern PA, New Hampshire, and Arizona. And it says, we have not located any responsive material to date, but our review is ongoing. That's important. That's important right there. It's not concluded. It's not that there is nothing here. It says, yeah, in our initial search, we didn't find anything responsive to your FOIA request. We're still looking. Take what you will from there being as of yet no documented case of any preliminary inquiry opened as a result of Barr's memo. Maybe none were called for. But you can't say DOJ thoroughly investigated election fraud, not without evidence of some investigation. And from here, I see none. The U.S. Attorney's offices for New Hampshire and Arizona found no responsive documents. This thread is started in May 25th. Sorry, I didn't tell you that. Next update on it is September 20th. Okay, he's heard back from New Hampshire and Arizona, and they found no responsive documents. Still waiting on Eastern District of PA. 11 key districts, not one page of FOIA documents of even a preliminary inquiry on election fraud allegations after Barr's memo. Not a single email, nothing. So, yes, Barr's memo was no big deal after all. September 21st, zero documents. I haven't found anything. This is zero responsive documents from all 11 districts. Is that correct? Reply, yes, that is accurate of what has been certified to EO USA to date. So this is yesterday that kicked off this thread being shared around a lot. FOIA search is complete. Despite Barr's 2020 memo authorizing U.S. attorneys to open preliminary inquiries, into substantial allegations of election irregularities. In all 13 key districts I FOIA'd, no responsive documents were found as to such inquiries. It may be 
that none of the allegations of election fraud merited even a preliminary inquiry. Barr has hinted at that. If so, all right, fine. But then please don't go on and keep saying all these allegations were thoroughly investigated because that ain't what happened. Barr explains it here. This is, I think this is from his J6 interview. Is that right? Let me see. It's a transcript. I think, yeah, this is from the select committee interview with Barr. And here is what Barr says. Mr. Barr, as you know, I tendered my resignation from the department on December 14th, 2020, effective December 23rd. But before I left, I had made it clear publicly that I did not believe the outcome of the election or I could not I could find no evidence indicating that the outcome of the election was caused by voting fraud. And I made the department, in fact, when we received specific and credible allegations of fraud, made an effort to look into these to satisfy ourselves that they were without merit. And I repeatedly told the president in no uncertain terms that I did not see evidence of fraud, you know, that would have affected the outcome of the election. And frankly, a year and a half later, I haven't seen anything to change my mind on that. I think it's important that people understand the role of the department in elections, because I think a lot of the confusion has resulted from people not understanding. People mushing together various different kinds of assertions about the election and failing to understand the specific role of the department. And if it would be helpful because I think it might set the context not only for my subsequent discussions with the president, but also how we treated various specific allegations that were flipped our way. If you want me to embark on that now, I could, or I could, sure. Okay. Elections are controlled by these states. And these states are responsible for policing and enforcing the election rules in the first instance. The department's role, at least my view of the department's role, is that it is limited to investigating and prosecuting actual fraud, voting fraud, which is different than just complaints about the fairness of the process or that the rules were not followed. In all probability, the U.S. attorneys just referred complaints to state and local officials and pretty much stayed away from investigations altogether. That's very different from what the press expected and how the press reacted when Barr issued his pre-election memo. And that that's the point right there, guys. That's that's the whole thing right there, is that states run their elections. Per the Constitution, the states are in charge of their elections. And most of the election crimes, which we have seen reports of, are not violations of federal law. They're violations of state laws. And it's up to the states to investigate them. It's up to counties and localities and cities and states to investigate their own elections and prove or disprove a crime was committed and prosecute a crime if there is one. And in matters of fairness or other things like that, that's that's going to be your locality. That's going to be your precinct. Um, people keep ex- expecting the FBI to come in and investigate state crimes. And it's not going to happen. There, there has to be an end there that would make it where the FBI comes in and it becomes a federal crime. But it starts at the state and local level. 
And so when Barr says, I have not seen evidence of this vast election fraud that would change the outcome, guys, I'm got to tell you, he's probably being 100% honest that he has not seen that. And if he had seen anything that led him to believe that or to, to consider that idea, he's not going to come out and say it if the investigation is still ongoing. Because that would influence that investigation. Boya fan says, I've got one more boy request out to DOJ on this general topic, and hopefully we'll learn more soon. And that is this one right here about the ethics complaint against Jeffrey Clark mentioned in the supposed FBI and DOJ investigations of allegations of election fraud, for which we've seen no public record. Remember that uh, Jeffrey Clark's phone, yeah, he was served a search warrant. I believe his phone was taken along with some uh, some documents. Um, and I know that Special Counsel Smith has asked for various people to turn over communications that they had with Jeffrey Clark. The bottom line for now is that the public record is both hard to obtain and different from what people may perceive or assume or, frankly, want to believe. Now, most of the commenting that I saw, well, actually, all the commenting I saw, save like one post on this thread from FOIA fan, which is a good thread, is that people just want to bash Barr. Like, that's the whole thing is like, let's just bash Bill Barr. Because he lied and he's terrible and he's a swamp monster and all this kind of stuff, which none of which I believe. Um, but I caught a thread last night and I actually didn't add it to my, did not add it to my bookmarks. Let me grab it from my likes here. Um, I saw a thread last night from uh, Google Malungu about this topic and People forget, and this is absolutely correct, and I got to give a shout out to Karma Patriot because she's the one who first educated me on this, is that it's not just DOJ who can investigate election fraud. And Jennifer Rubin's lobotomy and Google Malungu remembered this, that ICE can investigate election fraud. DHS can investigate election fraud. And it's right here from Karma Patriot. This was way back July. U.S. Immigration and U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement have launched a highly unusual publicity blitz to spotlight immigration enforcement actions in key battleground states where President Donald Trump is trailing his opponent, Joe Biden. They have authority to investigate election fraud. ICE and DHS do, and they have the resources to. And unless you send a FOIA request to them for anything about that, you wouldn't get any responsive documents. So I'm not saying it's certain there are responsive documents there. I don't know, but it is a possibility that an investigation into election fraud wouldn't come from DOJ, but instead would come out of ICE, which would be kind of smart to do it that way because Bill Barr can go out and make statements like I haven't seen any evidence to date of widespread election fraud. And the media on the left can be like, ah, Bill Barr is great. We love him so much. Now we're totally going to forget about all the times we hated him because now he's saying what we want him to say. 
And the right side media can be all mad at Bill Barr. Oh, he's a swamp monster. He's so crooked. Trump doesn't know how to hire people in D.C. Trump got screwed by his own staff and all of that. And everybody ignores this. HSI National Security Division plays a critical role in accomplishing ICE's mission to identify, disrupt, and dismantle transnational criminal and terrorist organizations, da-da-da-da-da, and human violations, and blah, blah, blah. NSD utilizes the breadth of ICE's statutory legal authorities and robust interagency partnerships to counter national security threats, including fraud and abuse of immigration, trade and financial sector, sectors, and protecting infrastructure. And what is our election? Our election systems are essential infrastructure now. It's possible. Can't say for sure it's going on, but just saying it's possible. Either way, I wouldn't expect to find any responsive documents from DOJ related to investigating election fraud in 2020 unless it was a federal crime they were investigating. Because all those crimes are going to be state. So you're going to find that stuff in state agencies. Now, Ash, Ash Rooks, 1201, thank you for the rumble rant. They say the Constitution states that political crimes, i.e. election fraud, has to be filed through legislation. Congress, be either candidate or we the people, through petition. Judiciary has no jurisdiction. That, yep, that's pretty close to my understanding. Yep. Okay. Well, my monitor just... Okay, it came back. All right. Do I want to tackle this next... Okay, I'm going to... There's another fake news story that's going to come up in here. Um, Let me hit this real quick. The J6 committee forced the um, publishing of White House records shortly before January 6th, they have the whole list here of all these different people and you can search it in the spreadsheet format. All these different people that were logged visiting the white house leading up to January 6th. And of course they're trying to construct some timeline where all these people are nefarious and all of them need to be arrested because of course they're bad. You know, it's a typical lefty media take, you know, but I love And I can't help but think it's planned that this story comes out about all these White House visitor logs at the same time that the stories are running around about how Biden has no visitor logs at Delaware. It just seems perfect to me, the timing of it, that we've got this contrast of all these Trump visitor logs very carefully kept of who visited the white house and people on the left and normies can look at this and be like, Oh, this is like, look, there's 4,400 entries, 4,400 entries. Kept logs kept down to the minute of who visited and who they visited and which office they went to. And yet with Delaware, we got nothing. So it just seems perfectly timed to me. To have these contrasts right now. I don't think I don't think it's an accident that these these logs have been uh have been published exactly 
this week. This came out 117. All right, let me see. Has Trump added a page three? No, he hasn't. Not yet. Okay. Yeah, I pay I pay attention to Politico and all the I pay attention to the media on the left and the right. You just gotta keep your filter on. That's it. Like you just gotta you just gotta have a filter on and um yeah. But it's really they're really they're useful. Like I know that this is a fake news story, but I want to find the original. I guess it doesn't really matter. I can do the fake news story. Um, Let's grab. First, though, let's have a bit of a laugh. I'm old enough to remember. Well, I I don't remember The Jerk when it came out, but I've seen the movie The Jerk several times, and it's hilarious. And this meme is perfect. All right, so let's grab this fake news story because this is really important, I think. There's a story going around that Hunter Biden paid Joe Biden $50,000 a month in rent. And this story came out because of this Twitter account, Amuse, and their thread. And there it is, $49,910 circled in red for you. And it's not true. It's been shared widely. Multiple media outlets have reported on it. Reputable media outlets have reported on it. And it is not true. And it is very obviously not true if you just look at this piece of paper. Now, I'll admit, I didn't figure out it wasn't true. When I saw it, I was like, oh, that if that's, tr- if that's true, that Hunter actually owned it or Hunter was paying rent or whatever, that's just something else that makes me think that U.S. Attorney Weiss is involved in all of this. That perhaps he his investigation was the impetus for the, for the search for these classified documents at that residence. But Look at this document. Start at the very top. What does it say? It says apply check background screening. Background screening request for Robert Hunter Biden gives his current address, Wilmington, Delaware, driver's license, gives his previous address, current residence, company name Owasco, PC. Move-in date of March 2017, move-out date of February 2018, monthly rent 49910 he owns. Have you ever been evicted from any leased premise? No. This is a background check for getting approved for a lease. And the date on it is 7-27-2018. But shout out to Truth Ninja here. 
who noticed and didn't fall for it. And instead of running with the latest clickbait, rage bait media take based off of that thread, like so many did, he was like, no, this is actually, this is totally wrong. This story went viral, but it's not a rent payment. It's a background check application for an office suite in what's called the House of Sweden, which rents for $50,000 per quarter. The company that owns it is Owasco. It's not Hunter renting it out. The, here is the correct information. Hunter Biden never paid his dad $49,910 for rent. The form is dated late 2018. His security deposit and time of lease, 3-2017 to 2-2018 at the House of Sweden, matches the amount listed. Oops. Matches the amount listed, 49910 This was for his business, Owasco. On purpose or not, he filled the form out wrong. Like, it's just, that's it right there. He filled this form out wrong. And people got mad at Truth Ninja saying he's spinning. He's like, you, it doesn't matter. This Like, this is not what your people are trying to make it out to be. It's a background check form. And he's putting down where he lived and his lease information for this, this office. It's not an official form and it has nothing to do with his dad. Even Don Jr. posted it. Here's an email. This is courtesy of Marco Polo and their copy of the Hunter Biden laptop. And in here you have Cecilia Browning at the House of Sweden. Hunter, if you are willing to terminate the lease of number 507, the owners are willing to let you out of the lease as of December 31st, 2017. Please note that there is a security deposit to be paid by you of $49,910. What is the amount right here? $49,910. It'll be returned to you within 15 days after the termination of the lease, after inspection of normal wear and tear. Please confirm, and we will then prepare the lease termination documents for your signature. Best regards, Cecilia Browning, General Manager, House of Sweden, which is at 2900 K Street in Washington, D.C. Here's the original rent estimate for the House of Sweden right here. And people are mad because they're like, no, it says monthly rent on the document. Right here, it says monthly rent. So he's paying rent. No, he filled it out wrong. And I think I like I think this is a really good example of how people read this headline here. They read the quote up here that says, It turns out Hunter was paying rent to his father to live in the Barley Mill Road house where the classified intel was stored by the Corvette. And that was that was it. Everybody ran with it. Like, that was... That was what they ran with. Instead of actually looking at the document and saying, okay, wait a minute, why does it say background screening request?
Why is why does this document even why would there, if Hunter was paying fifty grand to his dad, why would there be a document that has a screening request? Did his dad make him do a background check to pay him rent? Like it doesn't make any sense. Like you would you would read this if you read this document carefully and then read this, you'd be like, wait, this doesn't make any sense. These things, something's not right. Hunter filled the form out incorrectly. Imagine that. <laughs> imagine imagine that. Now, shout out to Truth Ninja for trying to understand the document instead of reacting to the story and the headlines of it. Uh, more journalists should have done that. I should have done that. I don't remember if I shared this thread. Um, actually, let me check, because if I did, I want to unshare it. I shared the correction. No, I didn't. So I was checking this Amuse account last night to see if they have corrected their story. I haven't seen a correction. They may have corrected by now. Um, but I think like that's the lesson here is to actually pay attention. You need a receipt for claims. Here's the claim up here. This is supposedly the receipt for it in this photo of the document, but you got to make sure they match. And in this instance, it's very obvious they don't match. And so now with this fake news story going around, hopefully people will issue corrections. Um, like Breitbart published it. Hopefully Breitbart is going to update this and say, actually, we got this wrong. Is there an update? Nope. Not so far. That's what I'm going to watch. That's what I'm going to be watching for. How many, how many citizen journalists and news outlets correct what they got wrong? Because they should. And that's And that's, I think that's fine. Like anybody who got that story wrong and ran with it, if they now correct it, like all is forgiven. We all make mistakes and whatnot. But if they insist on it and they don't correct it, then I think that's noteworthy. I think you got to note that. And let's see if zero hedge is one that I know I have seen good, good on zero hedge. I know I've seen them correct stories before. Good job. They corrected this one. There we go. All right, so to me, that makes Zero Hedge even better, the fact that they did that. Full respect. All right, yeah, let's go to... Let's go to this right here. This is from the Chicago Sun-Times. Good morning, music and fiction. Thank you for the rant. He says, our side has a problem with wish casting. This is one reason why we fall for things like this. Unfortunately, they'll keep ha- this will keep happening as long as people are con- conditioned by sites like Real Raw News. Well, I think even without Real Raw News, we'd be doing this, but Real Raw News certainly doesn't help. Um, yeah, people are, people are addicted to their outrage. Outrage and clickbait. And I feel like there's another outrage and clickbait story I have in here somewhere. Oh, yeah, there is. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Um, first I want to get to this because I was under the impression until it was either my last Friday show or the Sunday show. 
I don't remember. Sometime in the last week, chat corrected me that no documents have been found in Chicago. And I thought, I swear that early on in this, I read a report that said, um, that said documents had been found in Chicago. And that was the, I thought that was the end for us attorney, John Lausch of the Northern district of Illinois to get involved with it. But apparently no documents have been found in Chicago. All these documents have been found in Washington, DC and in Wilmington, Delaware. So I'm left wondering how is it that us attorney John Lausch Jr. of the Northern District of Illinois wound up being tapped by Garland to investigate stuff going on in Washington, D.C. And I've been looking for it. And the best I can come up with So we got this one, locked closet, pinned Biden Center in D.C. Sauber said attorneys immediately alerted the White House Counsel's Office, which notified National Archives, which took custody the next day. Since that discovery, the president's personal attorneys have cooperated with the archives and the DOJ in a process to ensure that any Obama-Biden administration records are appropriately in the possession of the archives. Well, Obama's records are in Chicago. Yeah, Howard 76 says Obama Library in uh in chat. Um sorry, is that the tie-in? Is there and and I thought I remembered the story that I read was that documents had either been found in Chicago or they had been in both places. They had been they had been at an office of Biden's in Chicago, but were now at the Penn Biden Center in DC. Whatever the reason, that became my understanding, and I thought that that explained why Lausch would be at invo- get involved because that's his jurisdiction. But we may have a clue here. So clue one would be that the Obama Biden Library or the Obama Library and the storage of his records are in Chicago. So that could be the reason that Lausch was initially tapped is because there's some connection between these documents and Obama, not just Joe Biden as VP. But check this out. It's not the first time Lausch has been given an assignment that thrust him onto the national stage. In 2018, he was tasked with helping speed up the Justice Department's delivery of documents in response to a House Judiciary Committee subpoena that related to the FBI's handling of the Hillary Clinton email investigation. His work on that matter concluded quietly with no public results. Okay, so possibility number two is that Lausch was tapped for this because this somehow connects to the Hillary Clinton email investigation, which was his investi- which was part which he worked on. 
So is something found that connects back to this investigation that Lausch worked on in 2018 and which concluded quietly with no public results and has caused that investigation to be reopened. And so naturally the attorney general tapped the U S attorney who is still working for DOJ and who previously worked on this investigation to open it back up. That would explain why Lausch was tapped to be involved with this. If it's not for these reasons, then I just, I just can't figure out why. See, and I think it has to be answered because otherwise it looks like Merrick Garland. And this is just from the left and the MSM's perspective. If, if there isn't some reason why Lausch specifically was chosen for this, such as one of these right here, or because the documents at one time were in his jurisdiction and were moved, then it just looks like Attorney General Merrick Garland purposefully chose a Trump appointee to investigate this matter, which is going to look bad. It just is. It's just going to, you know, that that's something you wouldn't want to do. Um. Maybe his, but maybe that's the whole reason there, you know, maybe his whole reasoning was I'm going to tap somebody who Biden didn't appoint because of conflict of interest. So Lausch and Weiss are the only ones and Weiss is already investigating the Biden. So he chose Lausch for that reason. Maybe that's, maybe it's as simple as that is Garland chose the one U S attorney who was appointed by Trump and wasn't already investigating the Bidens. I don't know. Let me see. Is Trump posted a page three? He's going to stop at page two. It's like he stopped at page two. Okay. We'll get to that in a moment. Speculation on Capitol Hill is that big money Dems are trying to stage a palace coup Cripple Biden through leaks, force VP Kamala Harris to resign, replace her with Gavin Newsom, then make Newsom president by forcing Biden to resign amid leaks about his wrong, his wrongdoing and his dementia. Been seeing this take going around, been seeing this idea that this is some kind of coup. Um, they're going to push Kamala and Biden out ahead of 2024 because they don't want him to run. And they're going to install somebody else. I Personally, I think it's half past clever. Um, I don't really see that. But if we start seeing a bunch of uh, news stories going around talking about Kamala and uh, negatively, and um, if we start seeing media push it, especially New York Times, The Atlantic, um, outlet, Washington post, um, salon. We, we start seeing those push this right here that they need to get out, get, um, Kamala Harris out. Then we'll know because what will have to happen first is Kamala will have to resign first. And then a replacement VP be selected and confirmed by the Senate before Joe Biden can be removed. Otherwise, Kevin McCarthy is president. 
Um, so I, yeah, you would have to, you would have to accomplish all of these steps in the right order in order to get the result that they would want. And I just don't see it happening. Um, but we'll know if we start seeing media outlets like Salon and uh, New York Times pushing that narrative or running hit pieces on Kamala, then we know there is some of that going on. I'm not going to be surprised at like pot shots and opportunism coming about, especially as we get closer to 2024 and the primaries for the Dems. I think I think that that's when you would see um, a whole bunch of hit pieces coming out because they want someone different to be nominated. But as far as this whole thing being a coup of some sort, some elaborate plan where Garland is appointing a special counsel just to try and push by now, I don't see it. Um, all right. So this thread right here, shipwreck crew used to be a federal prosecutor. So he's pretty familiar with this kind of stuff. And, um, this is quote tweeting Jonathan Turley saying that Biden did not use security officers or the FBI to conduct further searches. The president has a host of people who regularly handle classified material. So why use the lawyers? It's a good question. Shipwreck crew says I've given this point a lot of thought the last couple of days, and I've come around to the view that there is some motive behind the decision to have personal attorneys undertake this effort. If there was concern that classified materials were unaccounted for as POTUS, Biden should have been concerned for the equities of the agencies or departments to whom those materials and the information belonged. Ultimately, they all belong to Biden as the executive. There is no reason that he could not have dispatched the FBI as his representative to search for such materials. Even if there was potential criminality attached to having had them before he was POTUS, he could still consent to any search by the FBI. Not having this effort immediately turned over to the NATSEC apparatus of his admin, maybe led by the Office of National Intelligence, and opting to use personal counsel instead puts his personal interest at odds with his official interest as POTUS. The fact that none of those personal attorneys might have had the necessary security clearances is irrelevant. POTUS can grant security clearances regardless of whether the bureaucracy has done so or not. That's an important point. The entire classification and clearance system is for the benefit of POTUS. But by doing the search in this fashion, it gives Biden's personal attorneys knowledge about the contents of any document involved. They found them and they turned them over. And at the same time, cloaks in the attorney-client privilege any info they give they get or give to Biden on the subject. That would not have been true necessarily if a squad of FBI agents had done the search, just as Trump is largely in the dark about the specifics of the documents taken from Mar-a-Lago, except to the extent anyone can recall their contents. Biden and his attorneys will know exactly what is in the documents in question, and they can characterize or mischaracterize them in whatever, what, whatever way they wish, because there is unlikely to be any pushback from the IC about what they contain. Probably the only way to really get at this and certain limits will still apply to any public disclosures without Adam Schiff is for the House Intel Committee to demand a briefing from the ONI and FBI on the contents of the documents and maybe a chance to review them in a skiff. Good take. The one way I can kind of like, 
I don't know, but not about blow that up, but an alternate explanation I can give is that what if Trump is the person who declassed these documents? What if these documents aren't classified anymore? If the documents aren't classified anymore, then it doesn't really matter that Biden's lawyers are the ones going in and getting them. It seems to me that a very simple explanation is that these documents have already been declassified. Additionally, I really like what Rudy had to say here. Let me unmute this. With uh, uh, Biden. Now, we don't know how many more records are here and there. And uh, by definition, we can't know. Biden's position is, I don't remember. Well, if he doesn't remember, how can he tell us this exhausts the number of classified documents that he... Oh, wait. Let me grab Let me grab at the very beginning. Hold on. Because Rudy's what I really want to pull from Rudy's at the very beginning. Sorry. Here's the question. Why? Uh, and you know this better than anybody, uh, since you're one of the most prominent lawyers in the country and one of the top prosecutors. November 2nd, a former White House counsel who just resigned ends up in a closet at the CCP Penn Biden Center rummaging around looking for highly or finding highly classified documents. Is that the way the city works? Do you send over lawyers making twenty five hundred bucks an hour? $2,000 an hour. Do you send her over? Is she the one that is she just is she just a show up in a in a closet looking for uh, and finding highly classified top secret compartmented documents, sir? Of course not. Steve. Uh, the, the reality is that uh, we don't know enough to know how did she know to go there? Remember, Biden says, I don't remember anything about these documents. So how did she know to go to that exact spot? Did Biden at one point, no. Is he lying? Does somebody else know? Uh, second, you send a lawyer because you're in trouble. I mean, if you weren't in trouble, you co- you call the government and you say, hey, guys, go take a look. I think I may have forgotten. Uh, but they- You get the lawyers because you're in trouble. You get the lawyers because you're in trouble. Which makes... Perfect sense. It makes sense with what shipwreck crew was saying as far as you want your personal lawyers to have a full, as full as understanding as possible of what you're being investigated for and what's in these documents that the Justice Department wants. So you use your personal attorneys to go and get them so that they can see what these documents are. And then they can tell you, the defendant, what they are and hide that they told you behind attorney-client privilege. And then it also makes sense if these these documents are most likely, in my opinion, these documents have been declassified, but they weren't declassified when when VP Biden took them. I think they have since been declassified by Trump, which means that his personal attorneys can go and handle them. They don't have to have clearances to handle them. And if they needed clearances, like Shipwreck Crew said, then Biden could have just given them clearances. He could have issued clearances to his personal attorneys like that. Easy. So, right now, I think the most obvious answer about these docs is that they have been declassified and that Trump is probably the person who declassified them. And 
Consider this. Both Trump and Biden have used their personal attorneys to search for docs marked classified. At Mar-a-Lago, Trump did it. Biden's done it now at the Penn-Biden Center and at his Delaware home. Trump even used a private team of investigators to search for more documents in a storage facility in Florida, Trump Tower in New York City, and his golf course in Bedminster. If the docs are classified, then how can his personal lawyers be involved? I just answered that. Sorry. Um, now, another question I keep getting. If if these documents are damaging to Biden in some way, why didn't he simply have his lawyers hide it or destroy the documents? And folks, I think that is because his lawyers are responding to subpoenas for these specific documents. I don't think they're just searching randomly for anything marked classified. I think they are searching for specific documents that are known to exist and that a subpoena has been issued for by U.S. Attorney Weiss, who is still investigating James and Hunter Biden. So if true... If that's true, that means that the Weiss investigation will likely get folded into special counsel HERS investigation very soon. And that means, guys, that right now, right now, Joe, James, and Hunter Biden, the Biden crime family, the three pillars of the Biden crime family are under investigation by the Department of Justice right now. And I'm going to go back to what Rudy had to say so I can go and get my a coffee cup, but I want to jump to something else really quick that adds on to this point that I'm making. Um, yeah, this right here. Okay, so this is another piece of news that's going around, and the the response to the there's a reaction. This is a a, a news story that is causing people to react. And they need to instead understand what the news, what this story is actually saying. As I've, when you react to stories, you miss their significance. Justice Department considered but rejected role in Biden document search. Officials opted for hands-off approach to leave special counsel's probe uncompromised. I can tell you what's going on here. I think or I can hypothesize anyway the justice department considered having fbi agents monitor a search by president biden's lawyers for classified documents at his homes that's plural homes but decided against it both to avoid complicating later stages of the investigation and because mr biden's attorneys had quickly turned over a first batch and were cooperating notice the language change a week ago, stories were saying Biden's attorneys discovered documents. They found them. As if they were just wandering around, chit-chatting, drinking coffee. Oops. What's this over here next to the Corvette? Some classified docs. We should contact NARA. Now the language is changing to quickly turned over. Who did they turn it over to? Investigators. 
Investigators from where? The FBI, the Department of Justice. See right here, it harkens back to the first story. After Mr. Biden's, dis- Mr. Biden's lawyers discovered documents dating from his term as vice president on November 2nd, the Justice Department opened an inquiry into why and how they got there. Mr. Biden's legal team prepared to search his other properties for any similar documents and discussed with the Justice Department the prospect of having FBI agents present while Mr. Biden's lawyers conducted additional searches. Instead, the two sides agreed that Mr. Biden's personal attorneys would inspect the homes, notify the Justice Department as soon as they identified any other potential classified records, and arrange for law enforcement authorities to take them. Those deliberations, which haven't previously been reported, shed new light on how the Biden team's efforts to cooperate with investigators have thus far helped it avoid more aggressive actions by law enforcement. I think I, this is the, and I know I'm, I'm reading tea leaves here, so could be wrong, but I strongly suspect that his lawyers are responding to specific subpoenas for specific documents And that is why the FBI is not going to go in there and do a search. The FBI doesn't have a search warrant yet. And this is, I know that the popular take right now, the narrative is that there's a double standard here. Trump got raided, but Biden's attorneys are doing the search. Trump got raided after a search warrant was obtained and it wasn't even a raid. That's a loaded term, and I'm really tired of it. Before the Mar-a-Lago raid, (coughs) Trump was also cooperating. And his attorneys were also doing searches and turning things over to investigators. It wasn't until August 5th when a search warrant was, was approved, and then August 8th, the search warrant was served was executed. And it's the same thing here with, with Biden at first they're cooperating and there's these, they're responding to requests for these documents. And then it's going to escalate to the point that there is a search warrant. It's I, I 100% expect there's going to be a search warrant for Biden's home and for his offices. hundred percent, hundred percent. There's going to be a search warrant. But right now, this language change right here quickly turned over. I think we're going to start seeing this language change. And watch for it. Watch for it. People are reading this news article and they're getting mad because the FBI didn't go in and raid Biden. Because that's what they want to have happen, right? Everybody wants that to have happen because they think it happened to, they think it happened to Trump and it was really bad. And it was some some sort of uh, offense when it wasn't, it was exactly what Trump wanted. <laughs> it was exactly what Trump wanted. And he was working with them the whole time. And he was probably yucking it up with the FBI agents who were at Mar-a-Lago. Right. Um, now it's Biden's turn to go through it. So, and you know, like if you guys think about it, 
it's really easy to understand this circumstance because if you got served, let's say you got served with a subpoena for some document you had in your house, right? And so FBI agents show up at your house and they serve you with a subpoena for certain documents or for your phone or whatever. And are you going to tell the agents, Hey guys, why don't you just come in on in my house and search my house for anything else you want? <laughs> like, like, is there anybody in my, there's 2000 people watching Are is there any one of you who would respond to a subpoena for a specific document or item in your home from the FBI by asking the FBI to come into your house and go ahead and search for anything else they wanted? Of course not. Of course not. You would tell the FBI or your lawyer would. All right. Thank you for the uh, subpoena. We'll, we will go ahead and look for this item or this document and we will turn it over to you as soon as we find it. Right. It makes, it's makes sense on its face. Nothing scandalous about that. It's when the FBI shows up your home with a search warrant. That's when they're like, okay, step aside. We have a search warrant for your property. And they go in and they do the search with a search warrant. The FBI is not going to do, especially with something like this, especially with when it's the president, the FBI isn't going to agree to just go searching in there without a document that says they can, even with your permission. Even if Biden had said, come on in FBI, search my home for whatever you want. I don't care. I bet you the FBI would not go in and nope, no, we don't need to do that. Thank you. But no, thank you. Uh, we're just going to wait right here and, uh, let us know when you find that document we want. They're not going to go in without a search warrant because that search warrant protects them. If the FBI had gone in without a search warrant, like people are reacting to this. If the FBI had gone in, to look for documents and they didn't have a court ordered search warrant, they would be risking the entire investigation because later on Biden's attorneys would say that they didn't really want them to go in. The FBI should have gotten a search warrant and it would have sunk the investigation. You know, all these people that are saying that this is a cover up and that nothing's going to happen. They're all the black pill takes saying that um, the special counsel is just going to cover everything up and, there is no criminal probe and um, all of this stuff. It makes no sense. It makes it, there that that line of thinking makes no sense. And if it did make sense, if there was any merit to it, this would have been the moment that they sunk it. The FBI going in without a search warrant would have sunk the case or potentially could have sunk the case anyway. There's good nuggets in here. When you read this story, there's like, there's good information in here that made, when I read this story, I was like, oh, sweet, sweet. This is more evidence that, or more indication to me that they are looking for specific documents and are responding to a subpoena. Okay. I want to go refill my coffee cup. So while I go do that, I am going to play the rest of this phone interview with Rudy Giuliani for your enjoyment. And I will be right back to continue the show. Someone tells me there are documents there. Uh, then when they do tell the government, they deliberately suppress uh, that information while, while they're beating the living daylights out of Trump 
for a far less egregious situation where a process was going on. Remember, the government, these documents were gone, as far as we can tell, to the government for six years. They, they, they had no idea where they were or under what conditions they were being held. In the case of Trump, they always knew where the documents were. They actually went and looked at them, and they made recommendations about more security, which were adopted. And as far as you could tell, they were in a process under the Presidential Record Act for the debate that takes place between a president and the government as to whether it's a personal record or not. And uh, so when you say delay and obstruction, they're not obstructing anything. They didn't need these. If they needed the documents for some purpose, they, they, would have, they would have gone and gotten them and taken them. They knew exactly where. In other words, if there was a document there the government needed, they knew exactly where it was. It was logged in at Mar-a-Lago. They'd go right there and get it, like they eventually did. In the case of Biden, if they needed one of these documents, it was gone for six years. Also, the conditions uh, that Biden had them under, particularly the ones in open view in the garage— cry out for criminal penalties. I mean, if you look at it, he has the document out in a garage, and you have to pass them. You have to pass them every day. And it's a degenerate drug Uh, who was doing business with (laughs) every day. Rudy, hang on for one second. We're going to take a short commercial break. Rudy, Put your prosecutor hat on. As a prosecutor, I want to start with the November 2nd and not go forward with all the spin and everything that's happened there. I want to drive a stake in November 2nd and go back in time. What is really Giuliani looking at? And in that timeline, and we're not conspiracy theorists here at all. People know that. But we don't believe in coincidences. How does 8 August, how does the raid on Mar-a-Lago kind of pop up? Right after, I think the White House counsel says she's leaving in July and she technically leaves, I think, in October. And she's the one, Dana Remus, we want you to remember her name. She's the one rummaging around in the closet for top secret documents. As a prosecutor, where do you head, Rudy? Well, I mean, you've got two cases and one is almost essentially criminal and the other is essentially civil. I mean, uh, uh, Biden's case is essentially, essentially criminal. He, uh, whether he did it on purpose or inadvertently, virtually stole the documents. He took them and they were out of the control or knowledge of the government. In the case of Trump, he took them, but in a process in which they were always known to and available to the government. And the government could go there and make recommendations as to their security that had to be accepted if he wanted to continue to go through them. So it's two very different things. I believe they created it as a raid in order to make it look criminal because they knew they had a problem with uh, uh, Biden. Now, we don't know how many more records are here and there. And uh, by definition, we can't know. Biden's position is, I don't remember. Well, if he doesn't remember, how can he tell us this exhausts the number of classified documents that he removed? There could be 10 more. It could be 10,000 more. The state of his knowledge is, I don't know. And somehow this crooked government is avoiding searching him. His property has to be searched for national security purposes because he, we can't even take his word for the fact that he doesn't have any of the documents because he doesn't remember, or at least he says he doesn't remember. So I don't understand how they justify at all not searching him. 
uh, it's, it's outrageous. But this is a setup. It was a setup to try to offset what they knew would eventually come out. And it has no defense. That's right. It is a setup. It is a setup. It's a setup by Trump and the Patriots. It's a setup by good law enforcement officers and investigators and prosecutors who are eventually going to get a search warrant and are going to search Biden's properties and are going to follow the template that was set with the Trump Mar-a-Lago raid, quote unquote. All right, we have more on this. We have a little bit more on this. I see y'all mentioning to me that I need to go check the Storm Has Arrived page. I will. I glanced at it earlier and the video was still loading, but I know why y'all want me to check it, and I will. But first, I want to get this a couple other things in here. Okay, I got those. I got those. Just a moment. I need this. Okay, let me grab these right here. This will be good with cash. I'm going to save that for when cash. Um, let me skip that for now. This I can't. This story going around, I cannot confirm. It doesn't make sense. This is kind of another. This is another clickbait kind of story that I'm not. I'm not understanding what he's getting at because, pardon me, Kyle Becker is saying that Hunter Biden was copied on Vice President Joe Biden's intelligence briefings. But as you can see, these emails are from 2018 when he wasn't VP. And it says, forward, Office of Vice President Biden intelligence briefing for Tuesday, May 29th, 2018. But this is, as J.E. Dyer points out, this is when he's out of office. So what? What is this? Um, is it that in 2018 they were forward? Is that what it is? It says that the briefing is for the 20 for 2018, and the email date is 2018. So. Yeah, I'm not we may see this story going around and I'm not complete I'm not convinced that it's well constructed. I guess it could be that um all of these emails were forwarded from when he was vice president to Hunter Biden and there is something nefarious here, but um yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm not, we, we may see more of this. This may start going around. Um, but apparently without seeing the rest, what's in the email and the date of the email, it from everything on here, it looks like this is from 2018 when he wasn't president. So it doesn't really make sense. All right. Paul Sperry until the Biden white house ordered the national archives to turn Trump boxes of records over to the FBI to investigate. The FBI had never been an enforcement arm for the presidential records act. Biden created this new police authority. Now he's being hoisted by his own petard. That is correct. And it is, but that's a no more evidence of the template, more evidence of the template that Trump initiated 
and took the heat on narratively and on the public stage took the heat. Uh, but really, it's all going to be turned back on them. National Archives says it has to consult with Justice Department before providing Biden document info to Congress. Honestly, that makes a lot of sense. National Archives told congressional Republicans it will only share information related to the discovery of classified information in President Joe Biden's former think tank and residence after consulting with the Justice Department. This is so it ensures it does not interfere with the criminal probe. Notice that CNN has changed their language from investigation to criminal probe. In new letter, the House Oversight Chairman James Comer, archivist Deborah Steidel Wall, wrote that while the archives is committed to cooperating with the committee for their requests and their documents and archives, it is going to defer to federal investigators. Makes total sense. And they should. They need to protect that investigation. All right. Boris Epstein. Uh, the timeline is important. Two dates are important. Two November at the pen at the CCP Penn Biden Center and August because you're going to find out, hey, <laughs> I got a pretty good nose for this stuff. That eight August was just not a random event. Trust me. But t- t- tell me about cyber. A special White House counsel. Are you telling me they know they had such a problem that this guy's on board just to handle just to handle this, sir? So they brought this guy in in May, um, in May of 2022. He was brought in to handle the quote-unquote coming investigation. And he's he's special counsel to the president. Now, keep in mind, personal, a legitimate president, keep in mind that this this is still being paid for by the American taxpayer. So White House resources, White House assets are being are being used here. This guy, Richard, quote-unquote, Dick Sauber, is what they call him, Dick Sauber, he's he was brought in to handle these things. But here's what, here's what this does suggest. And there's a lot of chatter about this. And, I'm, and you know, again, it is for now chatter. Is was the, were the documents really discovered as part of a quote-unquote packing up? Or is this part of a, of a subpoena that's coming out of the Delaware investigation to Hunter Biden? By Thank way. you. Thank you. There's a lot of talk Thank about you. it. Always, always signal, not noise to the audience. And, 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 <laughs> Thank, and that, you. Thank you, baby. That's the question. The question is, is, you know, is this just this, oh, we're, we're running, we're rummaging around, we're looking around, and we're going to see what we find, or did they have to turn these things over? And if so, then still, why did it take so long? Why did it take months? What is the process? Why are lawyers without clearance supposed to first finding them, and then they're sending somebody with TSSCI? Yeah. Here's the bottom line, and always signal that noise for the audience. There's a lot more to come here, a lot more information. You're going to see a lot more meltdowns on morning, Nika. And what you will end up seeing, what you will end up learning, is that what Joe Biden did appears to be actually criminal. Well, of course, but President Trump, the way President Trump approached his documents and saying to the DOJ, let us know if we need anything else, we're here to help, was absolutely illegal. No, but hang hang on. Yep. Connecting the dots, it's going to go back to U.S. Attorney Weiss. He is who issued the subpoenas that initially led to this discovery. Now, this is what y'all were telling me that I needed to watch from my friend. The storm has arrived this morning. Let's I watched it while I went and got coffee. This is awesome. 
I'll tell you something else. I don't buy for one second. This investigation ban began because the librarians at NARA in November said, hey, uh, we need you to look at this. The FBI's, uh, it's called an electronic communication, an EC. That document must be subpoenaed by the subcommittee to find out when and why the FBI opened this investigation. And I bet you, dollar for donuts, they will fight that tooth and nail. But we're going to learn this investigation started in the summer of 2022. Why? What's significant right. about that yeah. timeline? Did they get some kind of a tip, you think, that he had classified information? Or what are you hinting at that might be there? Yeah, so look, when we were opening up cases, we didn't ask the librarians at NARA to do our national security homework for us. And if that's what happened, our system is more broken than I even thought. But I know there's still some competent FBI agents out there, and they suspected and had an investigation going, which led them to NARA. And then what happened was some of the corrupt government gangsters probably went in there and said, hey, we need to basically hide how this investigation started. So can you refer us the matter that we can come in there and look at? It just doesn't add up that they said, NARA said we have classified documents missing. How did NARA figure that out? Who was talking right. to them? And so where did maybe, they yeah. so pardon me, when you're talking about it. the U.S. attorney in Delaware investigating yeah. the laptop and Hunter, that maybe yeah. something got tripped up and led them to believe there were classified yeah. documents, something along those lines? I mean, that's brilliant. I mean, that's exactly what I suspect happened because the Hunter Biden investigation has been going on for supposedly two years, right? Um, are you to tell me that there's nothing in there talking about these rent payments, these contracts on the on Joe Biden's house? Or is there anything yeah. on there that's sensitive? Forget classified. Let's just say, was there sensitive information related to the government? Of course, the FBI is going to take that, or they should, and say, OK, are there other classified documents or information in any place you stayed, Hunter Biden? And that house is where Hunter Biden supposedly stayed. I mean, it's a rent monetary amount matching exactly the money he was getting paid by some CCP yeah. outfit, which is another story. Crazy. But I think those sorts of investigations led to this, not the uh, NARA librarians. Huh. Isn't that interesting? What was going on in July of last summer? Oh, federal investigation of Hunter Biden reaches critical juncture. CNN. Federal investigation of Hunter Biden reaches critical juncture, sources say. Western Journal. Federal investigation of Hunter Biden reaches critical juncture all back in July, summer of 2022. And now we got these searches. We got these documents that are being discovered. I think Cash knows more than he's letting on, and so does Boris. And I think I'm going to get to say I told you so a couple more times. Um, it's only been, what, since last, was it last Friday or something? Or maybe it was on the Devolution Power Hour last Wednesday. I said that I think this connects back to Weiss. It sure is looking like I was correct. Sure is. Howard76, thank you very much for the coffee money. Um, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure, man. Thank you very much for the Rumble rant. Yeah, I think... Uh, I think I'm going to be dropping a few more I told you so's. Awesome. I remember this story, and then remember... All of these news stories were using this phrase, critical juncture. And 
nothing happened that we knew of. And I was thinking, we're going to get an announcement before. I remember saying on this show, we're going to get an announcement related to this investigation before like September or not until after the election. And here we are after the election, new Congress is sworn in and boom, we get all these stories about Biden's classified docs. I think the critical juncture was U.S. Attorney Weiss needed to issue subpoenas for documents that were in the possession of Joe Biden. And remember, the reporting has been um, that these documents they're looking for or that they're finding or whatever are related to Ukraine, Uranium One, Russiagate, things like that. It makes sense that if they're related to Ukraine, that Weiss investigating Biden and James Biden, Hunter Biden and James Biden would be subpoenaing or issuing subpoenas for documents related to Ukraine and Hunter's business dealings. So, yeah, things seem to be connecting. Now, here's another possible connection. Larry Beach, who was previously McCabe's Porsche on blocks, has now changed it to Biden's Corvette on blocks. Supposedly, rumor has it, rumor has just rumor, has it that one of the classified docs Biden had tucked away in his pen office related to the United Kingdom. Biden's VP office requested a Flynn-related Flynn unmasking on January 12th 2017, so that'd be right before he transitioned out. The same date, the grant memo that no one can find was sent. Now, you may not know what the grant memo is. I had to refresh my mind on it. I had heard of it, but it there's Spygate is so massive that you can't hold it all inside your head at the same time. So this is from May 29th, 2019. In the Hill, did the Brits warn about Steele's credibility before Mueller probe? Congress has evidence. This is a really interesting article. One of the deepest, darkest secrets of Russiagate soon may be unmasked. Even President Trump may be surprised. Well, I doubt it. Multiple witnesses have told Congress that a week before Trump's inauguration in January, January 2017, Britain's top national security official sent a private communique to the incoming administration, that'd be the Trump administration, addressing his country's participation in the counterintelligence probe into the now-debunked Trump-Russia election collusion. By the way, this is an article by John Solomon. Most significantly, then-British national security advisor, Sir Mark Lyle Grant claimed in the memo hand-delivered to the incoming U.S. National Security Advisor Michael Flynn's team. That's important. Not to Michael Flynn, but to Flynn's team. That the British government lacked confidence in the credibility of former MI6 spy Christopher Steele's Russia collusion evidence. According to the congressional investigators who interviewed witnesses familiar with the memo, Steele, of course, was the political opposition researcher turned FBI informant whose dossier the FBI and Obama Justice Department used to justify spying on Trump and 
you know, the Steele dossier, all that stuff. You guys know it. Congressional investigators have interviewed two U.S. officials who handled that memo, confirmed with the British government that a communique was sent and alerted DOJ to the information. One witness confirmed to Congress that he was interviewed by special counsel Mueller about that memo. Now the race is on to locate the document in U.S. intelligence archives to see if the witness's recollections are correct. And Trump is headed to Britain this weekend where he might get a chance to ask his own questions. Now, this is really important here. This memo was hand delivered to Flynn's team. And you're going to find out later in this article, Flynn never saw it. And it's apparently missing. And see, the Brits went around the Obama administration. They didn't hand deliver this to Obama or Biden or anybody in their administration. They hand delivered it to Flynn's team because they wanted Trump's people to get it. They didn't want the Obama-Biden administration to have this memo. They wanted the incoming Trump administration to have it. A whistleblower recently revealed the existence of a communique from our allies in Great Britain during the early days of the Russia collusion investigation. Rep. Mark Meadows, Trump's chief of staff, and at that time he was a member of the House House Committee on Oversight and Reform. Quote, based on my conversations with that individual, the whistleblower, and the credible timelines that are supported by other events, I made a referral to Attorney General Barr and Inspector General Horowitz further investigation. Now, that's really interesting because we know that the IG helped spark some of this document search going on. Patel has that in... um, one of his threads that I shared on the last show, I believe I shared that on Friday's show. There now is overwhelming evidence to suggest that on multiple occasions, the FBI was warned that Christopher Steele and his dossier had severe credibility issues. The revelation of a possible warning from the British government about Steele surfaces less than a month after a long concealed document was made public. Da, 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 handwritten notes, blah, blah, blah. Let me get down to the next part. Flynn's lawyer, Robert Kellner also did not return a call on this, but a source familiar with Flynn's account told me, that'd be John Solomon, that the former Trump National Security Advisor, Michael Flynn, has no recollection of receiving this British memo or what might have happened to it, meaning that President Trump likely was not told about it. Flynn first heard about the memo when Mueller's team questioned him about it. Last year, during briefings, after reaching a plea bargain on a charge of making a false statement to the FBI, Mueller's team apparently learned about the memo from some of Flynn's former national security team members. Congressional investigators say one former Flynn team member approached them recently as a whistleblower and disclosed the existence of the the communique, the memo, because the person believed it was relevant to the ongoing review of the FBI and intelligence community's conduct in the Russia probe. The whistleblower told Congress he personally delivered the memo to Flynn on January 12, 2017, was aware of its content about Steele, and later ensured the document was sent for preservation to in the National Security Archives of the Trump transition team. The whistleblower also claimed to overhear Flynn's team discussing the memo. 
The investigators interviewed a second former National Security Council staffer who claimed to have read the memo in Flynn's office. That person who requested anonymity because he isn't authorized to talk to the press told me in an interview that the document contained an explanation from Grant that British authorities assisted the early U.S. investigation into Trump-Russia collusion and later concluded Steele's intelligence was unreliable. Congressional investigators say they have created a timetable of who saw and handled the document in Flynn's office and confirmed with a British government official that Grant sent a memo to Flynn in January 2017, though the British would not discuss its contents. The information has been turned over to Barr and Horowitz, who are investigating whether the FBI and DOJ intelligence officials misused their spy powers. Guys, that would mean that this... Whatever is left of this investigation, whatever is left of people trying to find this memo, it's now been turned over to John Durham. A source familiar with Flynn's account said the grant memo would have arrived just as the National Security Advisor and President-elect were consumed with standing up a new government a week before inauguration. So Flynn would be engulfed in new revelations when intelligence community intercepts of his conversations with the Russian ambassador were leaked to the media. If the British memo exists, it was never shared with House Intelligence, House Judiciary, House Oversight, and Reform or Senate Judiciary Committees, despite their exhaustive investigations. If witnesses' recollections are correct, the British communique could become one of the most significant pieces of evidence to emerge in the investigation of the Russia collusion investigators. So I'm going to mute Tiffany over here so she can calm down and go find another room. Um, it's just speculation guys, just speculation, but This would be a document that has been declassified by Trump because Trump and Barr and Ratcliffe broadly declassified documents having to do with Spygate and Russiagate. So it's very likely that this memo, if it still exists somewhere, has been declassified. So that would allow, if if this is in the Penn office, if it turns out that it somehow found its way out of the Trump administration and into Biden's closet at the Penn-Biden Center, then it's declassified. And it's also wanted by congressional investigators, the IG, and Durham. So it's just speculation just speculation, but man, if that is among the documents that VP Biden has, that, I mean, that's a that's a bomb. Um, don't know that it is, but if it is, man, that is an absolute bomb that would go off. Because it would mean that VP Biden or someone on his staff decided to obstruct Mueller's probe, obstruct IG Horowitz, obstruct the House Intelligence Committee and Judiciary Committee obstruct everybody by taking this very, very significant memo, this document from the Brits and removing it from the Trump administration so that they couldn't use it. Like, this is huge. Don't, but 
like I said, it's just hypothesis that it could be. The rumors are that there are some documents having to do with Russiagate and from the UK. Okay. Um, I think that's it for today. Um, if you guys want to support this show, all my links to do so are in the description, but the best way is to share it and to hit that thumbs up button over on rumble. That helps me out a lot. Um, but you know, if you want to do more than that, you can buy me a coffee. Um, the link is down there in the description. You can subscribe to my sub stack. You can buy merch. You can go to Benson honey farms and get yourself some delicious raw honey direct from the beekeeper. You can also, I'd like to recommend Badlands Media, which I'm a contributor to. Burning Bright and I had an awesome episode of Defected last Sunday. And it's our most, I think it's our most upvoted episode ever. It's, I think it has the most views of any episode ever. Let me see. Almost the most views of any episode ever. Really positive feedback. Lots of people loved it. Go check it out if you missed it. And then tonight I will be on the Devolution Power Hour with Burning Bride and Patel. So looking forward to that. Probably going to talk about some of the same things I talked about on the show today. And at the rate that news is dropping, probably going to have some new stuff to talk about too. Um. So guy, oh yeah, Trump. I totally forgot about this. Oops. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I totally forgot about this. I got to get to Trump's truths from this morning. Oh, he dropped a new one. Okay, awesome. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Don't leave yet. So first Trump truth. Page one. Fake news media and crooked Democrats. That's been proven. Keep saying I had a large number of documents in order to make the Biden classified documents look less significant. When I was in the Oval Office or elsewhere and papers were distributed to groups of people and me, they would often be in a striped paper folder with classified or confidential or another word on them. When the session was over, they would collect the papers, but not the folders. And I saved hundreds of them. Oh, man. Oh, man. I'm going to get to say I told you so about those folders. Page two. Remember, these were just ordinary, inexpensive folders with various words printed on them. But they were cool keepsakes. Perhaps that the Gestapo took some of these empty folders when they raided Mar-a-Lago and counted them as a document, which they are not. It's also possible that the Trump-hating Marxist thugs in charge will plant documents while they're in possession of the material. As president and based on the Presidential Records Act and Sox case, I did nothing wrong. Joe did. And then he has an announcement here. This Saturday in North Carolina, we're going to celebrate the life of Lynette Diamond Hardaway, who was a true patriot and friend. And then this is the new one. Page three. Biden is being treated so much better than me. I'm shocked, but not really. 
Why aren't they raiding his house? And how come his representatives and lawyers are allowed to work together with the Gestapo and looking for documents when my lawyers and representatives were not allowed anywhere near the search? We weren't even allowed to know what they took when they raided my home. Please leave the premises, they said, and then lugged out everything they could, including my passport and medical records. <laughs> this is a lot of fun. Trump is being his usual carnival barker here, but he's pointing at those folders. There's something about them, guys. There's something about them. It's going to turn out that those folders, what was supposed to be in them, is really important, and where they are now is really important. This is this is awesome. This is awesome. Okay. Folks, I will see you tonight on the Devolution Power Hour, and uh, y'all have a great day. Y'all have a great day. Remember, we're not going to win every battle, but we are going to win this war. And what is going on here? Just There we go. There we go. There we go. I already said my closing line. There we go. All right. This is almost a pro show. I promise I will be more pro on Friday morning. <laughs> Y'all have a great day. I'll see you.
Never gonna die.